You are listening to Girl Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of Girl Speak, our news roundup for January 2016. I'm Tiffany Rhodes program developer for Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girl Speak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. Girl Museum explores the art, history, and culture of girls around the world in the past and present. All of our programs are volunteer-run and supported by listeners like you. Visit us on the web at www.girlmuseum.org. We begin today with an update about the happenings here at Girl Museum. Our first ever Indiegogo campaign ended at the end of January. While we did not reach our target fundraising goal, I am happy to report that we have raised enough money to keep our website and podcast series operational for the next three years, which is awesome because some very exciting things will be happening this year. In March, our first exhibition of the year will launch, Exploring the Lives of Girls During World War I. We'll follow it up this summer with an exhibition delving into the history of kinder transport during World War II and its impact on girls. We'll wrap up our war-themed year with a look at girls and war throughout history, including so many, many stories about incredible girls and women who fought in wars, with our highly anticipated exhibition, Warrior Princess. We also have a special fourth exhibition in the works that will feature modern female artists exploring girlhood in their works curated by our own resident artist, junior girl Helena Wallace. I'm super stoked for these upcoming exhibitions, as well as many others already in development for 2017, including exhibits on music and girls in ancient cultures. We are also working on expanding our educational offerings, with more podcasts, updated quizzes on our site, and more interactive elements to help foster learning through our programs. We have already updated most of our educational guides to meet U.S. and U.K. educational standards. And teachers, be prepared, because we're also developing our first ever teacher's guide to Girl Museum. I love that we are really focusing on how we can impact girls around the world, both in and out of classrooms. That said, here's an open invitation to you. Help us out by participating in our ongoing projects, like Heirloom or Why I Game. Write a guest post for our blog on any girl-related topic or contact us to discuss how we can partner with you or your organization to better support girls around the world. Now, we turn to the latest girl-related news. First up, President Obama of the United States proclaimed January as National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. As he stated in the Presidential Proclamation, 150 years ago, our nation codified the fundamental truth that slavery is an affront to human dignity. Still, the bitter fact remains that millions of men, women, and children around the globe, including here at home, are subject to modern-day slavery, the cruel, inhumane practice of human trafficking. This month, we rededicate ourselves to assisting victims of human trafficking and to combating it in all its forms. Human trafficking occurs in countries throughout the world and in communities across our nation. Children are forced to fight as soldiers. Young people are coerced into prostitution and migrants are exploited. People from all walks of life are trafficked every day, 
and the United States is committed to remaining a leader in the global movement to end this abhorrent practice. The President went on to state that his administration has taken many steps to combat human trafficking, including the newly established Federal Office on Trafficking in Persons, which ensures that victims can access the services they need, intelligence resources to identify and dismantle trafficking networks, and better utilizing technology to combat human trafficking. As he concluded, All nations have a part to play in keeping our world safe for all people, regardless of age, background, or belief. During National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month, let us recognize the victims of trafficking, and let us resolve to build a future in which its perpetrators are brought to justice, and no people are denied their inherent human rights of freedom and dignity. Despite this, we were appalled to see a decision in a Minnesota court this past month that convicted 15-year-old Letitia Clay and sentenced her to nine years in prison for robbing two men who responded to an ad offering sex with her. Police state that Letitia met the two men at the door and invited them in after receiving payment for sex, but then proceeded to rob the men with the help of 17-year-old Monet Atkinson and 18-year-old Traven Lewis. The men called the police and the trio were arrested. What is absolutely appalling is that this is a clear case of sexual trafficking. Letitia's own father has stated that when she is released from prison, she will again be selling herself for sex. Defense attorney for Letitia has noted that she grew up without a moral compass, being one of her father's 32 children. What Letitia needs isn't prison, it's rehabilitation and help. Her armed robbery was a plea for help, and perhaps, in her eyes, the only way she could escape the horrors of selling herself for sex. Instead, the men who tried to buy her, men who tried to buy a 15-year-old girl for sex, have been characterized as victims, while Letitia is sent to prison for simply trying to escape her life. We hope that the President and government officials take note of this case, and make efforts to ensure that girls and women, especially those under age, are no longer prosecuted for crimes apparently linked to human trafficking, but are, instead, given the help they need as victims to begin a better life, and that the men who tried to buy sex from a minor are the ones who suffer serious consequences. Also in the U.S., the Centers for Disease Control released a new study that shows the risk for female genital mutilation in the United States has more than tripled in the past 25 years. It is now estimated that FGM affects around half a million girls and women in the United States alone, despite the fact that the procedure is illegal in the country. But why? The CDC states that factors increasing the risk could include an increasing wave of immigrants who come from nations and parents where FGM is a tradition. Whatever the reasons, we need to act now to prevent this atrocity from happening to girls everywhere. These girls and women can suffer lifelong adverse effects from the procedure, including severe bleeding and infections, infertility, increased risk of newborn deaths, and psychological issues. As Shelby Quast of Equality Now stated, the U.S. needs to continue to step up and take charge. This means implementing the law on FGM more effectively, but that also includes training professionals who come in contact with girls at risk or survivors, including healthcare workers, teachers, and social workers. The CDC also released another study this month in conjunction with Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School that revealed an epidemic level of violence against children is currently happening across the world. More than 1 billion children ages 2 to 17, which is over half of the world's children, 
experienced violence this past year. The study analyzed 38 reports covering 96 countries, estimating that at least half of the children in Asia, Africa, and North America, as well as more than 30% of children in Latin America, experienced violence last year. And the epidemic is having severe consequences. Children who experience violence have an increased risk of illness in later life, heart disease, infections such as HIV and AIDS, mental health problems, teen pregnancy, and lifelong disability. Susan Hillis, Senior Advisor for Global Health at the CDC, stated that while the issue of violence is monumental and urgent and unconscionable, there is hope. The world appears ready as never before to act wisely, to act now, and to act together to implement effective, sustainable, and scalable solutions that work to protect children from violence. Another disturbing report this month comes from the United Nations, which has stated that it is investigating new allegations of sexual exploitation and abuse by peacekeepers in the Central African Republic. The Washington Post reported that some peacekeepers there paid 50 cents in exchange for sex with girls as young as 13. It is believed that the peacekeepers used a prostitution ring run by boys and young men in a camp for internally displaced persons near the international airport in the capital city. However, the United Nations has no official presence in the camp, and it is believed that many cases could have gone unreported, making the rate of sexual exploitation and abuse much higher. There are currently 26 allegations against United Nations peacekeepers in the Central African Republic under investigation, which have occurred in the past 14 months. The United Nations has dispatched a team to the site of the most recent allegations to investigate, and is working with local partners to implement prevention activities. Also in relation to the United Nations, the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child has challenged Ireland's Minister for Children, James Riley, on his knowledge of child poverty rates. Ireland is currently being examined on its compliance with the Convention on the Rights of the Child. While reporting to the committee, Minister Riley reported that 8% of children in Ireland live in consistent poverty. He was challenged by the Norwegian Commissioner, who stated that other evidence suggests the rate is much higher, perhaps 11 or 12%. Ireland is also facing questions on other children's issues, including how the rights of traveler and Roma children, non-Christian children, and children in direct provision and homeless children are being protected and ensured their rights. Another report from the Journal of Adolescent Health appeared in mid-January, stating that researchers in England have discovered a surprising reason why teen girls may not play sports, their breasts. According to results of a survey of over 2,000 girls aged 11 to 17 in the United Kingdom, half of all girls at British high schools may avoid sports due to breast-related concerns or problems such as pain and embarrassment. Few girls interviewed knew what sort of bra to wear or whether their bra was a good fit, which could be a primary method of combating girls' concerns and encouraging participation in sports. An estimated 90% of 14-year-old girls in Britain do not get the recommended amount of exercise and researchers recommend that better education, especially in relation to breast care and bras, is needed to combat this finding. In Nigeria, government leaders have ordered investigations into the kidnapped girls from Chibok. Additionally, the United Nations has asked the government to provide information about concrete steps being taken to rescue the girls and others abducted by the terrorist group Boko Haram. Unfortunately, little progress has been announced in regards to rescuing the kidnapped girls. 
The girls were taken from their school in Chibok on April 15, 2014. That's almost two years ago. And various actions and inactions since then have left the girls still held by the terrorist group. The chief of Nigeria's defense staff has stated that the military has the ability to rescue the girls, but intelligence is delicate, and we don't want to do anything to jeopardize the lives of the girls. Nigerian officials are also willing to negotiate with Boko Haram for the girls' release, but have not yet been able to identify credible leaders in the fractured insurgency with whom to negotiate. Our thoughts and prayers continue to be with the girls and their families for a safe return. Elsewhere in Africa, Zimbabwe's constitutional court has outlawed child marriage. The court has ruled that marriage before the age of 18 is illegal in the country. Zimbabwe has one of the highest rates of girl-child marriage in Africa, with more than one-third of girls being wed before they turn 18. The case was brought before the court by two women who were married as girls and gave birth before turning 18. This historic decision is a huge win for girls in Zimbabwe, and we hope that country officials will follow the ruling with strict penalties and supported enforcement to end child marriage once and for all. And another incredible story from Africa. In Kenya, a new phone app will help Kenyans secure justice for children who have been raped. The app will feature clear explanations of the steps to report rapes to police, as well as steps to take when officers fail to act. Almost 1,000 local government officials, religious leaders, and teachers will be trained to use the app, along with 4,800 students. This is a huge step to helping combat the sad reality that one in three Kenyan girls experience sexual violence before the age of 18. Such violence has rarely been reported, due to stigma and a lack of faith in the criminal justice system. The app will also be launched in partnership with local rape centers to ensure victims receive services they need and that their cases are followed up. In another win for girls, the United Nations has announced that Peru will compensate a woman whose rights were violated when she was denied an abortion. In 2001, 17-year-old K.L. was 14 weeks pregnant when doctors at a hospital in Lima diagnosed the fetus with a fatal birth defect that would put the life of the mother in danger. Doctors recommended an abortion, which was legal in Peru for such reasons, but the hospital refused to terminate her pregnancy on the grounds that the state had not provided clear regulations. K.L. was forced to carry the pregnancy to term and breastfeed the baby for the four days that it lived. According to the High Commissioner for Human Rights, the decision forced serious mental and physical consequences onto K.L.'s health. A complaint was filed in 2005 with the UN Human Rights Committee, and the Peruvian government has finally agreed to pay compensation. It was the first time a UN human rights body held a government accountable for failing to ensure access to legal abortion services, and we applaud the UN for seeing this case to its completion. In Pakistan, a new comic series is tackling the country's social issues. Team Muhafiz just released its third edition, which tackles the problem of child marriage. Team Muhafiz and the Child Raiders follows the story of Safiya, a schoolgirl whose passion for football is cut short due to an arranged marriage. It explores the practice of Vani, where young girls are forcibly married as punishment for a male relative's crime. Team Muhafiz come to her rescue, bringing the police to arrest the perpetrators of the marriage. You can visit www.teammuhafiz.com to read the comics for free. Also in Representations of Girls this month, a new portrait series by photographer Mark Tushman has been published, entitled Faces of Courage. The photo book explores intimate portraits of women and girls around the globe, 
as well as the challenges they face in maintaining control over their lives and bodies. Over 15 years, Mark visited over 17 countries to document issues like health care, child marriage and dowry abuse, and human trafficking. The book also celebrates NGOs and individual women working to combat gender equality, empower women, and keep women and girls safe. Mark has stated that his focus was on the lives of the individual women he met, and found some major revelations. As he stated in an interview with the New York Times, It turns out that the countries where women are treated the worst are usually the most religious countries in the world. It becomes a way to keep women disempowered, control women, and control their bodies. It's definitely had an emotional toll on me to see the way so many women are treated. It makes me very angry. Mark's book, Faces of Courage, has already been named one of the best photo books of 2015. Now, let's celebrate the incredible girls of January. First up is 14-year-old Ashima Shiraishi of New York, who might be the most talented rock climber in the world. She was recently featured in the New York Times, which traced her beginnings as a rock climber back to her first climb of umpire rock in Central Park. In March of 2015, Ashima became the first woman and the youngest person of either sex to ever complete a 5.15, the highest possible difficulty for a climb, according to the Yosemite Decimal System. Even more impressive was the fact that she spent only four days projecting that route, that is, learning how to complete the climb. Those who had completed the route before had projected their routes for weeks, if not months. Then, in August, Ashima won gold medals in bouldering and sport climbing at the World Championships in Arco, Italy, and was the only climber of any age to complete the four bouldering problems, three of them on her first try. Ashima is sure to continue climbing to new heights in the world of rock climbing, and we can't wait to see her next accomplishment. Second is 15-year-old Emily Duffy of Ireland, whose latest invention is helping the homeless to stay dry. Her invention is a new kind of sleeping bag, the Duffily bag. It is waterproof, lightweight, and made from metallic bubble wrap that keeps the homeless dry and easily visible as they sleep. The bag also has a fire-resistant coating and has a Velcro opening that enables the sleeper to get out of danger in an instant if need be. As Emily stated, the bags are also meant to last much longer than conventional sleeping bags. Her invention is already having an impact. Many recovering homeless alcoholics in Dublin's detox program are given jobs manufacturing the bags as a means of income and a way to get back into their community. Another incredible girl is 10-year-old Jordan Reeves of Missouri, who has petitioned the American Girl Doll Company asking for change. Jordan was born without the lower half of her left arm, and now she's asking American Girl to make dolls with limb differences for kids like her. American Girl already makes dolls for hearing loss, wheelchairs, and diabetes, but as Jordan states, I think they have the chance to tell the world that it's okay to be different. I think it would be fun to have a doll that actually looks like me, because a lot of my friends have an American Girl doll that looks like them. She started a change.org position which, as of the time of this writing, has reached over 18,500 signatures, and is very close to reaching its goal of 25,000. American Girl has responded, stating that, Girls like Jordan inspire us every day, and we look forward to creating new products, stories, and experiences that celebrate the countless unique qualities in all of them. There is also 11-year-old Kashme Wahi of the United Kingdom, who recently scored an IQ of 162, the perfect score. That's also two points higher than Albert Einstein's IQ. 
Kashme set out to take the test in the hope that her parents might ease up on nagging her to study. She is currently a student at West London's Notting Hill and Ealing Junior School, where she helped her team secure third place in the Oxford Maths Challenge. She also plays netball, lawn tennis, and chess. Finally, there's 11-year-old Marley Dias of Philadelphia, who has started a hashtag movement entitled 1000 Black Girl Books. Frustrated with many of the books she was assigned with in school, Marley felt many of the stories were monochromatic, featuring only white boys and dogs. Marley started a book drive to collect books featuring main characters who were black girls. So far, she has collected 400 books, nearly halfway to her goal. Her movement is part of the Grassroots Community Foundation's Super Camp for Young Girls, which is designed to empower and improve the health of impoverished girls middle school aged and younger. Marley plans to put together a reference guide that compiles the books she has collected, and will donate the books to a low-resources library in Jamaica where her mother grew up. We would also like to extend our congratulations to Nadia Murad, a Yazidi woman from Iraq who has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Nadia is a former victim who was held captive by the Islamic State, also known as ISIS. After escaping, Nadia became an advocate for girls and women kidnapped and enslaved by the group. As the Iraqi government stated in their nomination, she is the symbol of women's struggle against the dark forces aiming to degrade women. Nadia talked about the plight of Yazidi women abducted by ISIS, and she asked the international community to rescue a record number of 3,400 Yazidi girls and women from the hands of ISIS. Finally, I'd like to end with a reading from Plan International's Because I Am a Girl blog. In mid-January, 18-year-old Narosha Balakumar of Ontario wrote a blog entitled Dear Future Me, and we think it is the perfect message of self-empowerment with which to start the year. It reads, Take a moment and take my hand. Let me sail you throughout the land. Lands both young and old, a land that we can see greatly unfold. Take a close look at this world, for we have come a long, long way since dear baby girl. I want you to imagine a world where young girls are just that, young girls, each with their own, unique story to unfurl. I want you to imagine a world in which gender equality prevails, a world in which, as global citizens, we have not failed. Imagine the elimination of gender disparity in primary, secondary, and tertiary education. This idea of knowledge being the key to each and every nation. Developing and developed, global south and global north. Let us not forget the power that we bestow upon the international courts. Future me, you are now in a world where innocent child brides can file for divorces. A world in which she, a bright individual, no longer has to fight against the forces. She now has support. She now has allies. She now lives in a world in which her cries for help are no longer chastised. Saved from marriage, she will now attend school, be raised in a world in which girls can have their own rule. Girls are now empowered and strong, gaining stable jobs and income that do not derive from something morally wrong. She will go on to make a difference, to leave an impact on her community, for she is living in a world in which her parliamentary representation will not be under scrutiny. She will live a long and healthy life, 
not being forced to bear children under the responsibility of being a wife. It is now her body and her choice of when she will produce another strong little voice. Maternal health and child mortality is no longer an issue of such fatality. Vaccinations and antenatal visits are no longer considered to be topics off-limits. Future me, this is just an insight on the world ahead, one where you no longer feel guilty when going to bed. I know you're wondering how all this came to be, how female empowerment is something that we can now see. The answer lies within the UN Development Goals, goals in which will aid the world rather than taking a toll. All you need to do now is have faith and support the action, because you, as a world changer, are a part of the larger fraction. You, as a youth of this generation, have the obligation to care for this global nation. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to tune in to our next podcast on February 15th, where we will look at the history of girls and revolutions for our celebration of V-Day and One Billion Rising the global movement to end violence against women and girls. Also, please help to support future production of Girl Speak by visiting our website at www.girlmuseum.org and clicking Donate. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the Internet, Please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.